What's going on, y'all? This is Mike Brown. And I just wanted to say I appreciate y'all so much for tuning into this week's episode of The Art of Letting Go. This week, we have a special guest on the show, James Lott Jr. And we talk about art, being artists, and his new show that I'm starring in, Fairview Heights. Um, if you all would like to support the show, please be sure to like, subscribe, and share this podcast. Also, leave a comment wherever you listen to it to let other people know what you think. Also, you can subscribe on Patreon. We got some merch. And you can subscribe. Yo, what up? This is Mike Brown, and this is The Art of Letting Go. Today, I have a special guest in the building. I'm sure the audience is probably familiar with you by now. Like, this is like, your, <laughs> oh my gosh, like fourth or fifth time. Fifth time. Yes, over the years. Yes. Okay. So yes. You, you are kind of a regular special guest on this show. <laughs> For you, of course. <laughs> I appreciate that. Would you mind introducing yourself to the people? I am where all James Law Juniors are. I'm James Law Jr. Um, head of JLJ Media, my media company. Also head of the Super Organizer, my organizing company. I do multimedia. I do organizing. And today is my seventh anniversary as a certified life coach. Congratulations. Thank you. How are you feeling today? I was telling you before we came on, um, a little overwhelmed, a little tired. I mean, Friday I get my second shot, my Moderna shot. So I'm taking the weekend off for any side effects, possible side effects. So I'm kind of hoping I don't have any side effects so I can actually enjoy the weekend. I mean, it, was, it felt good clearing the schedule. Like, screw everybody, I'm clearing the schedule. I'm going to take time off um, because I'm just so busy. Uh, I don't have days off anymore. So yeah. this will be my, like, three days I'll have off. And so I'm going to stay hydrated like I did last time. I had a sore arm for a day and it went away, but I got the extreme fatigue, which didn't bother me. I slept most of the weekend. Um, so that was fine with me. I slept in the garden. I slept in the bed. I slept on the front porch. I didn't care where I was. I just fall asleep. Um, <laughs> that was fine. And I said, but that's the, that's the worst I got. That was it. And, uh, and that's what I got. So I'm like, if I get that, that's fine. I'll just relax. Um, but hopefully I don't get anything. So I'm hoping it'll be fine. But I, but I'm just, it's just a lot of work. I, I have a lot of blessings happening at the same time. Of just with more with more money, more problems. You know, as, as as you know, Puffy said. Yeah. <laughs> as I age myself, as I date myself, <laughs> back in the nineties, you know. That, that's Puffy, how you know. Daddy, he did he go where he is? That's what I was gonna say. You you know your age by what you call him. <laughs> yeah, exa- exactly right. I mean, I mean, I do know him as Sean. Sean <laughs> he does know who I am. That's another story. <laughs> uh, but uh, he knows of me. We have not met yet, but uh, we have people in that's common. Cool. Uh, you know, he said my name once. I was like, oh my God, he said my name. Um, I admire, no, I mean, I know this is a whole different tangent, but I do admire him for what um, he created. Uh, he was the best rapper. Yeah. The best producer. Um, but he did craft some real hits. He, yeah. you know, real hits. And then he created Empire, you know, first with clothes, um, which really were for uh, Black folks, you yeah. know, for everybody, but for Black folks. Um, and then creating TV shows and TV projects. I mean, he's really built an empire, and he's my age. We're the exact same age. So oh, I, wow. I, I admire that. I totally, I totally admire that. And he loves Junior's Cheesecake, like I do, in Brooklyn. We love Junior's yeah. Cheesecake. And so. it, it's funny you say that, because uh, I was talking to someone yesterday, and they were telling me how much they didn't like Diddy because of how much he used other people. And... To some extent, I do kind of understand that, which I, for the same reasons that you admire him, I admire him too. So I guess there's always like duality in everybody. 
But well, uh, everybody's but, not perfect, first of all. Yeah. And you're, you have to remember, and you're, these people are young. You know, mm-hmm. they make the same they make the same argument about Madonna. Madonna, of course, is the queen. I mean, she's the she's she's the person who invented reinvention. I mean, she's the person who every single song, every single album was different than the last. Um, but they kept saying, well, she would pick these producers and, and do and use them, and then next you go to somebody else. I'm like, well, on some level, you kind of have to do that on some level. I mean, you, just, you work with what's going on, especially when you're in the public eye and you're in culture, you have to go with the culture. So if a new producer's out that's hot, yeah. you go with them I mean, on some level. I mean, you kind of, everybody has to do it on some level. So when I say use people, some people, they may feel being used, but it's not them being used. It's just they feel that way. Um, and some he may have done that, but he was young. I mean, yeah. we're all, we don't know everything we know now. I mean, there's, there's, there's people I've done wrong in the past and I'm like, wish I could apologize to him. I mean, I was just young and trying to figure things out and that kind of, that happens. But I, I think I still admire a person who still built an empire and he really did you know, accentuate our culture. I mean, it wasn't like he was like trying to be somebody else or whatever. He really did do stuff for us. He gave out opportunities for a lot of people too. So for everybody he dropped or stepped on, he also promoted and put out there. Yeah. And it's, it's like I said, all this is kind of tying into what I wanted to talk to you about today because I I watched this uh, James Baldwin recording on YouTube and it was about the artist's integrity. And um, it spoke so loud to me, just a lot of the things he was saying. Like I, I felt like I felt like I related to everything that he was talking about, but the biggest thing that stands out to me that I wanted to talk to you about was just what the artist's life truly looks like because uh, we do kind of romanticize what it means to be an artist. And um, I guess I kind of- It's not pretty. It's not pretty, it's not romantic, it's not romantical. I didn't make up a word for you. (laughs) Um, It is, it's not, I mean, it's, to be very honest, it can be a lonely life sometimes because you're busy creating, depending on who you are and what you're creating. Um, if you're a painter or a songwriter or a author, uh, sometimes you're solitary as you're creating the art. So you're away from everybody. Um, other things are this business, in this, in the, there's the business of creativity that's mixed in with just creativity in life. Um, the arts are great. But getting into the business of the arts is a whole other story. So there's a lot of struggle. We talk about the starving artist. There's a lot of starving artists. I mean, it really is um, trial and error, trying to get in, trying not to get in. How do you get in? How do you do this? How do I get this noticed? Trying to get noticed, trying to get your work noticed. Um, it's a little easier to put it out there than it was before. Yeah. Um, but it isn't, you know, I was in a band 20 years ago called Mangina. <laughs> <laughs> We were we were Fleetwood we were Fleetwood Mac on steroids basically that's what we were we call ourselves I was one of the lead singers okay drums. Um, but back then there wasn't there wasn't any MySpace hadn't come out just yet no YouTube uh, we couldn't put out music on our own you could but you had to run a studio there's a lot of hard stuff you had to do to put out music and play gigs but now as I you know I'm a musician and artist and I just do it from my home studio, put it on Spotify, hire everybody, I'm a star. You know, I kind of think it's like nowadays it's kind of easier um, to put stuff out, but it's still promote, promote, promote. Yeah. Who sees your stuff? It's a lot of disappointment 
in the business of creativity. I think the actual creativity part's fun. I think that part's fun when you're creating something and you're really into it and everything, but you can't mention one without the other, I think. Yeah. Um, how do you, like, what, what does your day look like as like just being an artist? Cause you are a multi-hyphenated artist and, um, and, w- and we'll touch on that a little more because I, I have feelings about that for sure. But um, yeah, what does your day look like? It's different every day, which I love. Um, I mean, in all seriousness, it's every day of my life is completely different. Um, I'm much more relaxed than I, ironically, as I have more stuff coming, I'm much more relaxed than I was before when it comes to creativity. Um, the creativity comes whenever it comes. It's divine intervention. It's from God. That's how I believe. Um, and it comes through me sometimes at three in the morning. Yeah. Sometimes it comes through me at 12 in the afternoon. Um, right now, I just finished writing two scripts of a, of a show that I just created all of a sudden out of nowhere. You know, I mean, it's, 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 it, when it comes, I stop everything if I can and get, try to get it out. Yeah. Um, so, for example, I may wake up. And I, and I have, okay, so folks, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a calendar person. Everything's my, everything's my calendar. I went online. This is my life. I have everything all in there. So all of the stuff I have to do is on these calendars. Yeah. So that could be my organizing work, TV shows I got to do, uh, interviews, whatever, that's on there. So in between all of that, in betwixt all of that, is where the creativity part comes in. So I may have four interviews one day, then be done. Like after this, I'm done. Chances are I'll be finished. I'll still be writing this new series, series I'm writing. I have another series. I have to finish one episode to send off to somebody. So I'll probably do that. And that'll be it for each day. But I don't know. At 11 o'clock at night, I may get a song idea. Mm-hmm. And then I start writing the song down. And I hum the melody. And I go and send it to my producer and say, this is what I came up with. Um, like tomorrow, I have a new song coming out called Practical Procrastination. That's coming out tomorrow. Available everywhere. Okay. Uh, but that song, Procrastination, came out of me like at two in the morning. I got the melody first. I wrote the lyrics in like 20 minutes. Um, went my little voice recorder on my phone. Just kind of recorded some vocals, said, how's the, how's the sound of my producer? Next day was like, send me something more serious. I did, and then we started working on it. Uh, but I was like, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking I'll be done at about 11 o'clock tonight, but who knows? It may be 12, maybe one. Uh, it's divine intervention. Yeah. So in between all the things I have to do, then I try to squeeze in. I'm always writing. I mean, I could, well, back in the day when I was on the trains all the time between jobs, I'd ride on the train. Yeah. And headphones on, I'm writing, I'm writing, it could be a script, a song, a poem, a, a short story, an idea. I just get it out when I can. So it's kind of mixed in. So every single day, I mean, my day start off with meditation first and then, and then peeing or whatever. And then I go on to whatever that day, whatever that day, bring out like my schedule first and I go from there. But the creativity is, is sandwiched in throughout the schedule. That's cool. That's your question. Um, and a, a question for myself that I want to ask is how do you complete projects? Because I know you work on a lot of things. How do you decide like what you want to complete first or, you know, when this has to be done by, how do you, how do you, make the time to complete your work that's a very good question because i because um, the series that mike brown is on called uh, fairview heights is coming out 
that actually, I, I completed writing that seven or eight months ago. Wow. Um, but I hadn't gone to it yet. So it's one, it's one of those things where I usually will write and write and write so my hand falls off. And so if the ideas in my brain, I'm fully immersed in whatever that is, whether it's a song or two, a short story, a book. I wrote a book one day in two days. I get it out. I just, I'm just like, I'm this diarrhea. I'm just getting it out of my brain. Um, and I usually write. And so then I see where, I, when I'm done, I see where I'm at. Now I will have a little outline and say, maybe I'll think, I want to do an eight, like it's an eight episode series. Can I write eight episodes in one sitting? Or can I do it in two sittings? Um, but I don't stress out about it. I'm just kind of like, I don't, I mean, I have tentative dates, but I really don't. I mean, the only ones that are, were concrete were the Christmas shows. I had to make sure I, those had to come out at Christmas. So it's like, I need those done by November so I can cast by, you know. I mean, there were certain ones that were kind of like, you had to be there. But most of my time, it's just, I had the creativity come out first. And then I only write when I feel like it, when I'm into that project. Okay. I gave myself permission to do that. Um, so there are some projects that aren't completed. There are some projects that are completed. I have song, I have over a hundred songs written that I just haven't recorded yet. Um, I mean, so I do have stuff, but it's nice to complete something. I always encourage people to complete something because even if you don't put it out or anything, work towards it. But I only work towards completing stuff if I'm into it. Yeah. It makes any sense. So, I mean, if I'm not really into this, is one series I'm going back and forth on. It's called The Accidental Governor. And I keep putting it up, picking it up, putting it down, picking it up, but I'm sticking with it. I mean, there's something about it that I think there's something there, but it's taking me the longest time to complete this eight episode series. I'm like in episode four, I think. It's just, I just can't, I get into it for a minute, I'm like, hey, I'm done. I get into it again, I'm done. It'll be a finish eventually, but it is very important to complete something, whether it's small or large, you need to complete it. And see, once you start completing things, it's like almost a domino effect. Then you feel like, I want to complete this. I want to complete that. I want to go on to the next thing. When you complete something, you can go on to the next thing. It's kind of like you have to figure, if you keep just writing forever or starting stuff forever and nothing's finished, you have a problem. You should, you should be compelled to want to go back and finish something. You can put, I say, no, I have no problem putting it down for a while stepping away from it but i hope at some point you'll get back to it and just like and then you'll go okay i'm out i like having a product out there that's my motivation i love it i love saying that i have 40 books out there i have 40 books i have seven albums i have six eps i have now six series out I love being able to say that. It's an ego thing. I love being able to say that. that I, I have, I know I did. I mean, I'm very honest about that. I have, I have five series that have been completed. Five. And they've all done well for me. And that's, and I almost want to cry because I'm just like, I wrote five. I mean, I wrote four. I didn't write the, the first one, but I wrote four series. But the first one too, I greenlit it. Five series of mine. People actually listen to them. They check them out. But before that, I completed them. It means that we wrote them, we I directed them, we acted them out. You know, you've done some with me, yeah. and like, and then I edited them and I put them up. And he's like, "That's that's like the 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 the, the I get high off of that. Like, that's the ego boost. It's like I'm not just talking about this stuff. I actually completed it. And that's crazy talk. I'm like it's it's completed. So I can look back and go, if I don't do anything else tomorrow, I have five series that are done. Okay, they're out there. Right. 
do you feel any anxiety in releasing things or have you ever felt anxiety in releasing things? Uh, a little bit. You should, I think you should always be a little nervous. I mean, it's just because they're like your babies. You're like, you're putting them off, them off to school, you know, for the first day of school. Um, it, from, I'm sorry for cutting you off, but no, no, please, uh, how do you keep from letting the nervous stop you? Oh, because I, I've been in the business for a lot. You just, you, when you, when you, I've been in business 14 years. I've been around and I'm, I'll be 52 next month. I've been around a long time. I think, I think after a while you just learn not everyone's going to like your stuff. Uh, someone gave me a bad review yesterday on one of my shows. Like, he just looks like he's reading from the teleprompter or something. I'm not. I know I'm not. But they didn't like my style. Okay. Sure, they didn't like my style. I mean, they were right out to like it. So I think once I learned that, that some people are going to like it, some aren't. Some are going to nitpick it, and some aren't. It's, I don't, I'm not putting out perfect product anyway. It's not perfect. I'm learning as I go along also. Yeah. Um, and I, so I just kind of recognize all of that. That I'm calmer about it. I'm like, I'm just, I, plus I'm busy. I put it out. I'm going to the next project. I don't have time to be worried about people's shenanigans. I don't have time to, you know, I don't read all the comments. I mean, anyway, anyway. I mean, I read some, but I'm, but to me, I can stand. I'm not going to release. I'm not going to release anything I can't stand by. So whatever I've released, I stand by it. And whether you like it or not, that's fine. Your choice. But I can still stand by it and go. I, I still worked hard on this. I believe in my actors. It was good. It was it's I did what I or my songs. That's the most nerve-wracking is putting out songs. Yeah. Because acting stuff is a little different. But songs are kind of like because they can your voices sucks or your music sucks or the lyrics suck. They can they can tear it apart. Um and or your style sucks. Um I love music so much and I've been having a great you've done a few songs with me also. And I I've, I've had a great journey in this music thing, uh, almost six years. I've been doing it actually this way, not counting my previous life, um, and it's been fun. And I don't, and I've, I have an audience who likes it. I mean, there's an audience. I got another roll to check, kids. So that was kind of nice. Um, so somebody bought it or spun it or spun it. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like I just focus on them. I focus everything I put out. I focus on the ones who do want it. You're like, when's that next book, James? When's that next song? Yeah. When's that next episode? I focus on them. And that helps me not not put it out and as an artist do you feel like they have to be specifically defined like you know how people talk a lot of that like your target audience and this and that like what is your target audience like do you feel like as a creator that you have to have that so defined well it depends because i'm a multi-hyphenate um for like my shows yes each show has a target audience okay i mean i, I my soaps soap audience my hallmark channel stuff Hallmark audience. I mean, like, there's for some things. Then I have other things that are very broad. My regular interviews, like you know, extra connections, all that stuff. Those are just broad. My left-handed show, left-handed people. Like, so I do have certain. Yes, it does important, but in the general sense, like my music, it's for everybody. Um, I I blanket. I don't feel. I don't feel. I don't feel the sense of I'm making this for forty to sixty year olds or twenty. I don't think that way. I I put it out and see where it lands. And usually the, the demographics, the analytics will tell me. Yeah. Um, for example, I my first EP I ever put out, with a group called Chog, we have a group called Chog, we put songs that we, we collaborate together. The five song EP, I put it out. And what I found out was, I made a children's album. Didn't plan on it. The kids responded to the songs and the lyrics 
they were easy enough. This this group is a quirky dance group, and I just do I just write and do lead singing. Um, and all my nieces and nephews, all my friends' kids, bought it up. And I was like, I made a children's album. I did not realize I made a kids album. I made it for just some kind of fun thing. Um, and so that wasn't my target audience. My audience was everybody liking it. Fine. My second album, uh, Speaking with Strings, I did with an orchestra. I'm very proud of that album. Turns out a lot of older people love that album. To this day, uh, one of my friends who's 77 years old was like, James, you had that song, you know, uh, Looking for Love. I love that album with the orchestra. It's so beautiful. They love it. And I was like, I made it for everybody. But it turns out the older crowd loved that album. Yeah. And so I put it out for everyone. So I didn't target. But when, but when I hear certain groups, when it starts leaning that way, then yes, I start to market that, that way a little bit, of course. I go, okay, kids, got a new album out by Chog. Like, our second EP was a hit with them too. So like, it's once I find that it's starting to go, I may market that direction, but I still market to everybody. I mean, I kind of don't feel, I mean, and, and color too. I don't look at color. Um, Again, certain shows I have, yes, it's for that. But in general, I just I'm all over the place myself, so I feel like it's just for everybody. Whoever likes it, likes it. Do you find it challenging to separate the creating from like the business part of it? Good question. I think. I think I think the business is me. I mean, I think, I think everything is me at this point yeah. for me. I mean, I just kind of at this point, it's all especially since COVID. I've been home. There's no separation. Mm-hmm. Like before, I go to a studio to do all the interviews. Now the interviews, I have a ring light over here. It's like I mean, everything's here. So the wall has been collapsed. So my life literally is: I do an interview, then I'm mopping the floor. Yeah. I do an interview, I'm changing my laundry. I do an interview, I'm using the air fryer to make fried chicken. Like, whatever. I'm like, it's completely now melded together. How do I feel about that? I'm not sure yet. It's kind of like, right now, this is how it is. I think it's, I think it's an important representation. Like, as I'm listening to you, I, I think it's a very important representation to what the true artist life is. I think, uh, you know, going to the studio, those are, those are the things that people glamorize about the things that we all do in whatever medium we work in. And I, I think I'm starting to embrace that more, like, you know, not not looking at myself in that, because when I was younger, I feel like I used to look at, at myself in that space. Like I wanted to be a producer. I wanted to be a rapper. I wanted to be these things instead of recognizing like I am being these things while still, you know, doing whatever it is I'm doing in my life. I'm teaching, I'm working at Nike. I'm you know, those are still part of my artist life. And um, yeah, I wish that was something I knew when I was younger. I always say in my practice, always go from I wish to I am. Stop I saying agree. I wish. Say I am. I And for me, I am art. Yeah. That's just, that's just what it is. My brain, my being, my hand, my left hand, what I write with, type with, it's all extension of the art. I'm art. I just can't help it. I walk and talk art. I watch art. I, I create art. In my garden, I'm creating art in the garden. I mean, my hair, so I create art in my hair. Like everything is art for me. So now when I hear people say, 
I'm not my job or I'm not my this. I get that when it's not your passion. Yeah. This is my passion. I am my job. Right. Yeah. I am the product. It's James Law Jr. That's the product. Right. Uh, that's just all <laughs> ourselves like that. I mean, we have to look ourselves that way. We're we. I I can't I can't separate it. There's time off. There is time away. There is hiatuses. We say in the business, but it's still me i mean it's i i'm not gonna separate i am the artist i am the art right i i feel the exact same way and i think yeah like you said people being in spaces where they don't they don't feel like they belong or should be it does make it hard for you to feel like you know like i'm not being my full self because i definitely have felt that in jobs and stuff where it's like this ain't the job where I'm supposed to be and I feel like I'm neglecting my creative self and yeah and and I think I also want to share like it can be done in in a job if you if you depending on how you look at it if it's a job that's inspiring because I feel like my job inspires me to do other things so it doesn't really feel like um you know just just go and do something that I really don't have to do, you know? See, the problem is, for most people, you get a job. It's not really your passion. Yeah. So you're always trying to run from that. Yeah. Your life is always about running from that gig, whether it's nine to five or 11 to two or graveyard shift, whatever. You're always trying to find a life outside of that. That's your goal. Your goal is the weekends. Your goal is those two days off a week or split days off a week. Your goal is that two-week vacation. Your goal is retirement. That's what most people go through in many of their jobs. Um, is there's not this kind of, there's no synergy or anything altogether. It's, just, it's supposed to be, it's just my life here, have my life here. So yeah. the artist, a true artist, an artist who gives into himself or herself or itself or they self, you know, you know gender pronouns. Um, when they receive that, that they are the artists, their art, they're not running from anything. Right, yeah. So how they see the world, how you view the world, how you conceptualize things, how you handle things, it's all art related. Yeah. It's all just kind of how you, I mean, how you look at food, how you look at this, how you look at your friendships. It's, just, it's how, it's just, you know, you're not running from anything. And a lot of times as artists, we're using whatever pain things that we're going to we're trying to run from, we're actually, it's coming out through our art for a lot of us. Yeah. Uh, I'm writing a story that's based on my life a little bit, you know, and I'm writing this, I mean, you know, songs come out, you know, when I came out of Bell Paul, Bell's Palsy a few years ago, that first couple albums, I was writing about that experience. So I'm exercising or excising that the pain where in other places, like I had jobs where I just would drink every night. I got off work at five, had a hard day at work, I need a drink. And I had a bottle of wine a night and then wait for Friday and go, yeah, it's Friday. And then Monday and Sunday night, dreading to go back to work on Monday. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. I just think, you know, I wouldn't, <laughs> I, I just would not wish that. I mean, that is, <laughs> that is horrible. I mean, that's just a horrible yeah. way to live. So for me, I get to wake up and go tomorrow. I get to write a play. I get to read, or I get to record with my, with people and when my saying my words on, on that night. And, um, you know, I get to do an interview with a famous star. Or I get to, you know, it's a lot of things. Like I get to be, in a, I get to be with my producer, go over the latest songs we recorded. Like that's, that's a blessing. I mean, I'm so, I'm so grateful. So, so very grateful. 
for that. How important do you think vulnerability is to art? Well, I guess it's up to the person. I mean, I really, I, I don't want to blanket and say, everybody should be vulnerable. I mean, it depends on your art. I guess it depends on your art. For me, uh, because I am art, I am vulnerable. You know, I, I, had, a, I had a co-host who told me that a show she did for my network, I won't tell you, but you have to watch it. Uh, she cried on camera first time. And she said to me, she felt so weird. And she goes, but James, you cry all the time on camera. I said, I do, I cry. I'm a big cry baby. I'm a big soft, big black man softy. And something hits me, I'm like, I'm like, how I like, I don't care. I don't, I don't care. And Oprah was the same way. Oprah with her ugly cry back in the day, she cried. I don't care. I show my emotions. And I think people love that. Yeah. They want to see somebody, they don't want a robot. They want to see somebody feel something. And it gives them, gives them permission to possibly cry too at home where they're listening or watching. I think for me, vulnerability is all about me. That's what I do. I share, as you know, I share all parts of my life. I, if I can, I have no problem with that. I think people, my audience and people who are becoming my audience need it. They need to see someone who's well-rounded enough that who's not afraid. I have a friend um, who did a piece on saying, not saying I'm sorry when you start crying. And this piece is like 10 minutes long. It's not up anywhere anymore, but he did it. It's so awkward to watch because he looks at the camera. He tells this really, this really deep story that he relates to, like going to college, being the first one in college in his family, whatever. It's a really deep story. Me, a person of color, and he cries, starts to cry. And he says, I'm not going to say I'm sorry unless the crying come through. And to watch it, it's so hard to watch. But it's like so necessary because we always go, I'm sorry. So you like, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't mean that to be, I don't know why. Why are you doing that? It's an emotion. Uh, and to my co-host, it's okay to get emotional. It shows you have a heart, which means the audience will now draw into that interview even more than the yeah. barrier of the camera, of the Spotify, whatever, now goes away because now they're seeing you be a human having a conversation. Uh, so for my art, um, I don't censor myself. I just do it, and then I decide if I'm release or not. This through a story, but I just I make sure I get it out. I have to get it out. It's almost like I said. It's like like it's like diarrhea or throwing up or something. I have to regurgitate it, and at least have it on paper or in song or in a story, and then I'm then I'm good. Yeah. I don't want cancer inside of me. It's cancer to hold stuff in. Yeah. And men and men are are anorexic emotionally. You know, we have to find a way to deal with our emotions. Uh, we're being told, don't. You should, that's not a man. A man's going to deal with emotions. So you hold it in, but it doesn't really go anywhere. And so for me, I don't think it's less manly to be vulnerable, especially especially in art. I think the best art comes out of vulnerability. That's, that's just me. But everybody has their own way of doing art. So I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, and speaking of vulnerability in art and your art, I want to talk about your latest show, Fairview Heights, which I am in. And uh, which several people turned down because they were afraid to play the gay part. And they were, and these, uh, these folks were actually gay or uh, questioning or whatever. And I was like, it's an act, it's not you, it's an acting role. I mean, I don't know what that's about, but I respect them. And I, but I didn't, I just like, okay, whatever. I just didn't go for it. I said, I, it's, your, it's your career, so 
as you want, but I felt, I felt it's an important role. I felt it really, I just really felt it in my heart. So I was like, the right person got it, which is Mike Brown. I appreciate that. And uh, I feel just reading, I, I, I really connected to that role. Um, just when you tell me what, so can you give us a little backstory on what the, what the story yes. was about? It's slightly based, so uh, almost not autobiographical, but cool, you know, some stuff's in there, some licenses in there. Uh, no, I wanted to, it's a twofold show. It was called Unlikely Friendship in a Changing Neighborhood is the, is the tagline. Um, it's set in Inglewood where I live and Inglewood is changing. If you know anything about Inglewood, California folks, it's completely changed. The whole area uh, and all the surrounding areas, Hyde Park, Lamert Park, it's all changing. So I thought that's a backdrop I want to talk about. I'm very much about Inglewood. Um, Fairview Heights is the spinoff of Manchester Avenue, which my ground experience is on also. Uh, and Manchester Avenue is another part of Inglewood also by the Forum and the new stadium, SoFi Stadium. So I decided to showcase Inglewood in a way that's different. Not, not Inglewood up to no good, Inglewood in the hood. I, said, I didn't want to do all that. I wanted to show Inglewood as this emerging city that has things that have people who are not hood. Right. You know, they, they, just, they, just, they just happen to live there or whatever. That's me. Um, you know, I can be hood if I need to be, but I, I, you don't have to be all that. So it's about uh, a straight Latino, Latinx man and a gay black man who are best friends from high school who grew up in the neighborhood um, and it's their friendship. And the, the gay man is very straight-laced, square, a uh, little conservative, while the straight guy is flamboyant and just has a good time and is a party extrovert. I thought I'd change it all up in its ear. Um, and, it's, it's, and it's gonna be a very interesting show, 10 episodes, it has some interesting twists and turns but the friendships at the forefront. It's about their friendship and how they get themselves in situations. And he hasn't seen, he hasn't seen our scripts yet. There's some fun situations. And I'm about to, I'm about to send out the first episode to you to actually okay. look at. Um, and there's a racist situation that happens that actually happened to me in real life. And my, and my brother-in-law, who's a straight uh, Mexican man, and we're really close. Um, so it's one of those things where I, I took that story and kind of put it in to this one, um, so you deal with race, they deal with the neighborhood, they're dealing with sexuality. Um, later in the series, he will get a boyfriend, and but he seems a little shady, and so the next girlfriend comes in, the, in the, from him. So it's this whole, it's a dramatic, it's all drama, it's all drama. Um, but it's, but the whole point was I wanted to showcase, and all my shows are about diversity, I wanted to showcase a different kind of relationship that wasn't stereotypical. And that is what I appreciate about it because, um, you know, there is, it, it feels to be, at least for me, just one narrative of a gay black man. So to have the opportunity to play that role of something different, like, I really appreciate that. And I want to, I want to say out loud, because I've got some criticism, I want to say out loud, whatever portrayals they want to put on TV, it's fine. I mean, it's fine. And, and if gay black men want to play certain things, I, it's fine. My thing is I need diversity of it though. I don't want it because a lot of the larger world thinks that all gay black men are sassy, big, you know, flamboyant queens who wear weaves and though we all don't. You know, none of us watch Drag Race. I haven't watched Drag Race since season two. I don't watch it. I mean, there's, there's things that, that are fine, but that's okay too. I would narrow it down. I know a lot of the queens. I know them. They're great. I love them. But like the thing is, it's not about the same thing. We need right. diversity. I talk about it all the time. Why can't I see more portrayals of this? Well, then write them, James. I always tell myself, then that's what you're supposed to do. Then you write them. 
and you write the experience you want to see. And so for me, I want well-rounded. Now I have another show I'm writing where the guy is flamboyantly gay, like super flamboyantly gay. And that's, and that fits that narrative of that story. So to me, it's not about me shunning that side or going, I don't like feminine. I, I think anybody who's feminine in the world as a guy is, has more strength than I do because it's very hard out there. I, I, I bow to them that how, how their courage to be who they are fully in that form, it's, it's tough. It's not, you know, not at all. You know, it's tough at all. Um, but also um, on my network, I have a trans woman writer and actress on there. Wow. Uh, Miss Emmy Morgan. I, I've always, I've always been a supporter of just diversity as normality is my saying. And I just think it's one of those things where just, I mean, I love my trans women, and my trans men, I love them. And I, and I have my white men and I have my white women and I love them. And I have my Mexican, Latina, and I have my Indian and I have Ir- Iranian. I just, I pick people who are, you know, have no ego, who are easy to work with. You know, you worked with a bunch of them. I did shows that were all, they were all black. You were on, you were on Mama's, the Mama's Valley. It's all black. And yes. I had folks get mad at me. And I'm like, why are you getting mad at me? You can have an all black cast. What's wrong with that? You know, and as you know, our, we laugh all the time when I'm that set. Every time we get together, it's like, especially Tony Moore, he's crazy. Um, we all end up laughing, but it's like, it's, but that's, I want to tell those stories too. Cause you know, you, as you know, those characters, you play Divine, you play, you play on that, this, you play on there. Each of those characters are different types of black also. And that's what, that's what I want to show also. Uh, a character Jafari played by Flo Boys is a very different type of black, you know, versus Robert Waithe plays Byron. He's a very different, like this, it's all these, everything's different. It's all just differences. And, you know, I do the whimsical dramas, everything, but I want to make sure everybody, I have a black Santa, you know, I, I just, I, I mean, I did it on purpose. I mean, I just decided I'm going to turn on its ear and find the best people yeah. for these roles, no matter what they are or what they identify as, and we'll go from there. That's cool. That's really cool. Um, something I just thought to ask you was, what is like one piece of advice or knowledge you can share with upcoming, like people that are kind of in the beginning of their artist journeys to just kind of block out like just the 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 outside chatter it's hard that's my that's my advice life is hard kids it ain't easy you're gonna you're gonna have distraction you're gonna have extraction you're gonna have people tell you all kinds of stuff they're gonna tell you what are you doing why are you doing it uh who you think you are uh, there's a lot that come at you it's not gonna let up that's my advice. I mean, I mean, I, I know. I mean, I don't want to shit on anything anybody because life is just not fair. It, it just really isn't. Um, you have to find the strength. I can't tell you how to do it. You got to find the strength to continue the artist journey. You have to find a way. You have to find what works for you um, and what works best for you because the world, media, your friends, your well-meaning family members, yourself, is the chatter is always going to be there. It's still there with me. It's still there. I hear things here and there once in a while. Like, why, why are you doing that, James? You're fucking 50-something years old. You know, and I'm, I'm learning to say, no, this brings me joy. So that's how I get through life. All these things that I do make me smile. I like to smile, folks. And I think you like to, I like to laugh. I like to feel good. These are natural drug, drugs to me. I don't do drugs. These are my drugs. My drugs are writing, a, writing one. And this is one episode of a script. This is one episode. I wrote this in like 15 minutes. This makes me happy. 
I'm very happy with this. I'm very proud of it. It made me feel good that my ideas are flowing. When it flows, I feel great. It's a, it's a drug. I mean, it, just, it really is. But people out there, when you're just starting out, try to stay the course, try to be to yourself. But just remember, people are always going to be, they don't, they don't treat art the same way they do politics, education, um, and other professions. They just don't. They think art is frivolous. They think art is just not as important. The arts are very important. And we need artists to continue to show their vision of what they see in the world. We need their commentary on the world. We need their spirit on the world. We can't silence them. We can't have people, we can't stunt them. We need them, whatever way they want to showcase it, whether through a spoken word or, or painting or music or acting, we need that point of view. You may not think you do, but you, you do need it. We need it. Um, it needs to go out in the air, in the ether. Um, so I think, but people don't treat art. So if you're a young artist, people, people are just not going to understand. And let them not understand. It's fine. I don't know if my family knows what the fuck I do. They, they're like, I, some comes out and go, you did all that? I go, what the fuck do you think I'm doing? Play with myself? I, I'm literally working all the time. But they don't care. They don't ask me what I'm doing. They don't ask what my, how my day is. They don't ask anything. They really don't. They don't give a shit. But then they see some finished product, go, oh, that's so nice. Well, yeah, bitch, it is nice. I worked fucking 10 days on it. So of course it's nice. Oh, like, they, don't, they don't know what the fuck I do. And yeah. they did it. They were surprised. Like, wow, you did that? I'm like, I've been doing it for 14 years. Like, where the fuck have you been? So that happens to you. So just like, let it go. You, you, have to, you have to, really have to let it go. You have to let it all go and just try to find what brings you joy in art. I like that. Um, <laughs> I have one more question. So this one is kind of, it may require you to create on the spot a little bit. Okay. Um, what is your life like at 80 years old? What does it look like? That is God, less than 30 years away from me right now. Cause I'm 50, I'll be 52 in May. So that's like, that's 78 years, 78 years away from me. I mean, not 78, 78. That's 30, that's 28 years from me. So at 80, I have no fucking idea. I, I hope I'm alive. I mean, I may just drop dead tomorrow. Who knows? I don't, I have no idea. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, I always make jokes to say, if I've been a good another 20 years, I'll be good. Um, my stepdad is 85. Okay. I look at him. And he's slowed down a lot. He's lost a lot of weight. Some dementia is kind of hitting in there. Um, some days he doesn't know who I am. Some days he knows who I am. It's a, it's a crap shoot. Um, and I look at myself, I don't want to live that way. I just don't want to. I mean, I, I'm a person, you know, I want all my faculties. I want my wits about me. Then I think of my aunt, who is up of, of that age group, and she's on it. She is just whip smart, just still moving around, friends, just doing everything. So... James Lott Jr. at 80. I figure I'll still be doing all this. I'm like, I'm there going to retire. James Jr. I'm still, I'm like, I'll be still plugging myself and follow me on TikTok, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I got my new album come out tomorrow, new song. Uh, James Lott Jr., my dream is to just drop dead during one of my performances. Be like, you know, after I finish it, of course, I'm like, you can follow me at James Lott Jr. And that's it. <laughs> I think it wheel me into wheel. I think you could wheel me into a, a studio. I can still host. I mean, a lot of, I just feel like that's in general. That's my life. I just think James Lodge Jr. is not going anywhere until he has to go. I mean, I just I I think I think I'll be doing this for the rest of my life. And I that's a great question, but I don't I can't really I don't know. That's that's my answer. I don't I don't really. It's going to be doing this probably doing interviews and 
cussing people out. I don't know. That's when we do an 80. I might be more odd. I'd probably be a great, great, great grandfather by then. Ugh, who knows by then? My kids keep procreating. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, that's it. And, and fighting with my brother, probably. I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's, uh, he'll be 78 and I'm 80. So that's how it's going to happen. Yeah. And still looking, still looking for love, probably. Like, I can't find anybody. It's crazy. Um, that's going to be my life at 80 years old, Mike Brown. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's writing my 20th album. Oh, shit, I don't know. That's what I was going to be doing, I guess. I mean, okay. you know me. I, I, I'm a workhorse. I'm just going to go out for the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You didn't expect that answer, did you? You're like, you're like, you're like mm-hmm. you know James Law Jr., you know how I am. <laughs> James, can you tell people where they can find Fairview Heights and also where they can find you? Yes. So um, all of my audio dramas, so Fairview Heights, I'm going to say which ones are out now. Fairview Heights, Manchester Avenue, uh, Cupid's Crossing, The Easter Hare, Mistletoe Row, Claws the Series, and Forever a Day, are available on every audio streaming series you can think of, a uh, platform you can think of. So, I mean, you're talking Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, uh, Apple, Google, it's everywhere. So you can go up there and find those. Um, my uh, the rest of my video work, all of my um, shows, things I do, my online network is JLJ Media. And that's on YouTube. Go to YouTube slash JLJ Media. Subscribe, follow, and I have over 35 shows from Soaks to Star Wars, from insurance to life coaching and everything in between. Um, go ahead and subscribe and see what I got. I may have something for you on there. So left-handedness, grandparents, I have everything on there you can choose from. Uh, so that's what I do there. My books are all on Amazon. I have 40 books and they're all on Amazon or James Lott Jr. Uh, I'm a best-selling, international best-selling author. You can find all of my books ranging from series to actually self-help books. Uh, they're all on there at James Lott Jr. My music is everywhere you can stream and buy music from Amazon to Spotify, SoundCloud. Um, I have a new song coming out tomorrow called Procrastination. And I have a new song with my group J2, our friend James Woods and I, coming out on Friday. That's another one coming out, and that's coming out. So I have music coming out all the time. Uh, but just follow me at James Lott Jr. there. And then, of course, you follow me on TikTok. I have a viral video that makes me sick. It's at around 10 million views right now that everybody was talking about. Um, but you can follow me on there. It's at James Lott Jr. You can see what all the fuss is about on that too. And then, of course, on all social media platforms where all James Lott Jr. is sold at James Lott Jr. on all social media platforms. Thank now it's tomorrow. James. <laughs> <laughs> now it's tomorrow. Now it's the next day. You know, things I do. Thank you, Mike Brown. I love it. I, I, y'all come on your show anytime. You know, last week on your show, I got a lot of great response, actually. That's cool. So people, people were actually messaging me. I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah, no, I, I, I think you you have a lot to share. And I think, like I said, your vulnerability is it's always helpful. Like even for me, just hearing your your journey as an artist is inspiring for me because it's things that I'm working on and working through that I'm like, okay, you know, I I can. I don't have to worry about this. I can focus here and, and not worry about anything outside. And I don't have to worry about, you know, fitting into a box and because you, you represent that. So I really appreciate that. Hey, you know, thank you for saying that. Forget boxes. And if I can do it, my ground, you can do it also. I, I don't, I don't, I don't owe the key or anything. I'm not magical. I'm not a unicorn. If I can do it, you can do it. And I say it to you and to all other people and content creators of color, do not be afraid. I appreciate that, James. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank y'all for listening. This is Mike Brown, and this is The Art of Letting Go. Peace.
Thank y'all for tuning in to this week's episode. If you would like to support the show, you can subscribe to us on Anchor. Subscribe to us on Patreon. You can also like, subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, let your people know. Let everybody know what you think. Leave a comment. Leave me a voicemail. Let me know what you think about the show. If you like it, if you don't like it, what you think about what we were talking about? We got some cool merch, and also we got a website coming soon that is gonna house everything in one place. So. Be on the lookout for that as well. It's the art of letting go. Peace.